2: This is the John Fuglesang Podcast.
3: Happy Thanksgiving week. I'm so glad we're all still here. And for the next three hours, we're coming at you live from high atop the Howard Stern Tower, 279 floors above Gotham. It's just me and Thea Harper here. That's right. Nobody else. It's abandoned. Y'all can just come on in and steal office supplies. It's just me and... Thea. Come on come on up. It's just me and Thea. Security guards have abandoned station. It's like Will Smith's walking around with his dog. It's It's I Am Legend up here. It's... it's- We're here. It's just us. Welcome, Thea. Good to see you. Thanks for being here. The great Thea Harper producing us from just beyond the glass. The great Chris Housselt produces us as well. I'm John Fugel saying welcome to the slice of heaven that is Tell Me Everything. For the next three hours, we're coming at you and we'd love to hear from you. There's a lot to get to today. Attorneys for Donald Trump took to appellate court. In an effort to shrink or remove the gag order in his federal election interference case, the first group of infants born prematurely have been spirited out of Gaza for treatment and safety in Egypt. Meanwhile, the hostage-swap ceasefire deal between Hamas and Israel is getting closer to actually becoming a reality. COVID infections and hospitalizations are up nearly 10% over the last week, especially in the Midwest. The winter holiday travel season has begun in earnest, and another round of free COVID tests are in the mail, now available to you and your family at covidtests.gov. And we're going to talk about this tonight with Professor Corey Bretschneider. A federal appeals court has issued a ruling today that could gut the Voting Rights Act. Well, wait a second. I thought John Roberts did that 10 years ago. And you're right, but this guts it even more. This new ruling from the federal appeals court says that only the federal government is allowed to sue under a crucial section of the landmark civil rights law. Not private citizens, not civil rights groups. Yeah, a federal appeals court has said individuals can no longer sue for having their rights deprived. Uh, This will almost certainly be going to the Supreme Court, and we will discuss this tonight with Professor Corey Bretschneider. We have a really good lineup tonight. Professor Bretschneider will be with us talking about this, and... Donald Trump's gag order. We're also going to be joined. Rhonda Hanson, comedian in hour number two, slaying fools. And of course, all night long, our most important guest is you guys. Uh, Two more announcements. The big sexy liberal comedy tour. It is on demand at sexyliberal.com if you'd like to see it. This was our show we did last month in L.A. with Stephanie Miller, How Sparks, Frangela, Malcolm Nance is in this show, Ron Perlman. It's really, really a blast. You can buy a copy at uh, at uh, sexyliberal.com. And the U.S. Supreme Court has denied Derek Chauvin's appeal after his conviction for the murder of George Floyd. Today is the 20th. Of November. In two days, it will be the 60 year anniversary of the murder of President Kennedy. But today is the 76th birthday of friend of the show, Joe Walsh, a great singer songwriter, great guitarist, underrated singer, underrated actor. Happy 81st birthday to Joe Biden, our sitting president, who is still younger than Harrison Ford and Paul McCartney. Robert Kennedy, Sr., would have been 98 years old today. 40 years ago today, Terms of Endearment premiered in theaters and went on to win Best Picture 40 years ago. I know, you're like me, a fan of the right stuff. And inflation was zero last month. Prices did not go up, and groceries have only gone up 2.1% over the past year. Wage growth is still strong, I tell you this here, because you won't be hearing this on cable news. And today is Transgender Day of Remembrance, started in 1999 by Gwendolyn Ann Smith, to honor the all-too-many people from the community whose lives were being cut short. Transgender Day of Remembrance. Don't forget it. Now, uh, we got a quick announcement that the three presidential debates next year are scheduled to be held in Texas, Virginia, and Utah. I thought for sure they'd go in Missouri. Missouri's had six presidential and vice presidential debates. That's the most of any state. But instead, it's going to be uh, Texas State University will have the first debate. In less than a year, my friends, September 16th, 2024, second debate will be October 1st at Virginia State University. The last debate will be on October 9th at the University of Utah. The only vice presidential debate will take place at Lafayette College in Easton, Pennsylvania. Twenty two states and D.C. have hosted at least one debate in the last 63 years. And Donald Trump has skipped all three Republican primary debates so far. He says he wants to debate Joe Biden. He did debate Joe Biden in two of the last three presidential debates in 2020. The Biden campaign has not said yet whether he will participate in these debates. What do you think? Will we be seeing a repeat of Biden versus Trump? Do you think Trump will show up for the debate? Or will he bag out like he did last time? Or will it not be Trump? I mean, do you think there's a good chance you might be seeing Joe Biden debating Nikki Haley? Also... If you're driving on the East Coast for the holiday, please, please check the weather forecast before you hit the road. A very messy storm across the eastern U.S. is going to make a real, real headache on the roads Tuesday and Wednesday for millions driving Flying. There's going to be rain. There's going to be snow. There's going to be wind, fog, thunderstorms. There's going to be ice. It's going to be a mess from the Great Lakes to the Northeast down to the Southeast. Wet snow and freezing rain is possible in some areas. Please, please check the forecast before you leave to travel. Also, <laughs> I, there's so much I want to cover. I, I want to get to your calls, but uh, last Friday we talked all about X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, and how Elmo is losing all of his advertisers. And they are leaving. They are running away. They are running away rapidly. So, now that Elon has gone ahead and boosted anti-Semitic hate speech, what do you do? You try to misdirect and make it all about Media Matters. X has officially filed a lawsuit against Media Watchdog, Media Matters, good friends of this show, for colluding with others in a fraudulent attack. And it's going to backfire. More advertisers are going to leave X because of the anti-Semitism all over the site. And Elon is responding by playing victim and suing media matters to distract from his own bigotry and stupidity. He really is like Trump, folks. This is just textbook. How to blame everyone else for your fuck-ups. You know, this this guy tweeted the Jews are promoting dialectical hatred against whites. And Elon Musk said this is all true. And he hasn't deleted it. It's still up there. You can go see it. Over seven and a half million impressions. So let's sue Media Matters. It's not gonna work. He's gonna tweet Media Matters is evil half a dozen times. He's gonna have all of his followers tweet Media Matters is evil. (laughs) They're actually saying Media Matters is evil because it's owned by a foreign born billionaire. And he uses his website to meddle in our politics. What does Elon do? Elon Musk is a foreign-born billionaire just like George Soros, except Elon took some Saudi money and bought a popular website and then made it a sanctuary city for homophobes and Jew-haters and Muslim-haters and people who like Russian propaganda and just mediocre racists. Our friend Max Burns tweeted, those neo-Nazi posts were supposed to be farther away from our advertisers' content. Isn't the flex Elon Musk thinks it is? Elon has scared away more sponsors... Then Andy Dick at the Betty Ford Clinic. And finally, some words of love for Rosalind Carter. Our former first lady, the longest married first lady, a global humanitarian, a trailblazer for mental health, a presidential medal, a freedom winner herself. The former first lady was diagnosed with dementia before entering hospice just this month. She died Sunday at age 96. She was a very hands-on first lady. Jimmy Carter, by the way, is 99. He's the longest-living president in history, but I'm so glad Rosalind is getting a lot of credit for fighting for mental health in ways that other First Ladies never had before, for standing up for women's rights, and for participating in actual policy making. She really gets a lot of credit for beginning to be a public figure to modernize mental health care in a time, the mid to late 1970s, when mental health care was more stigmatized than you can possibly imagine if you weren't alive at the time. And she really developed her passion for this when she was campaigning around Georgia for the governor for her husband. And she heard from so many people who had family members struggling with mental health issues at the time in the early seventies, there wasn't a lot of mental health services in the state of Georgia, especially for kids. And Rosalind Carter and her husband were made of empathy And they became really concerned about the fact that the state resources couldn't take care of people. There were hospitals and there were institutions. But, you know, mental health care was just throw people in a cage. Keep them away. Patients were mistreated systemically. When she was first lady of Georgia, Rosalind Carter encouraged her husband to establish a governor's commission on mental health, which would then outline a whole plan to shift treatment from large institutions to smaller community centers. And when Jimmy Carter made it to the White House, Rosalind Carter kept mental health as her top priority. She talked all about how we have to frame mental health care as a basic human right. I cannot tell you how ahead of her time she was in this. And it's thanks to her advocacy that in 1980, President Carter signed the Mental Health Systems Act, which provided grants for smaller community mental health clinics, one of many, many achievements credited, at least in part, to Rosalind Carter's activism. They were married in 1946 in Plains, Georgia. They knew each other their entire lives. Here's something I just learned about Jimmy Carter. I, I remember his mother. Do you remember Jimmy Carter's mother? She was always in the news. She was a nurse, and she helped deliver baby Rosalind Carter. He, he married a woman his mom delivered. And, of course, after they left the White House, they moved back to Plains and have lived there ever since in the same house they built 62 years ago. In 2019, the Carters became the longest married presidential couple ever. Two years later, they celebrated their 75th anniversary. They made it to 77 years married. Jimmy Carter said in the statement, Rosalind was my equal partner in everything I ever accomplished. He's been in hospice since February. Rosalind and Jimmy Carter had four children, 12 grandchildren, and 14 great grandchildren. Thank you so much, Mrs. Carter, for being a model of grace and compassion for so many years. When we praise Jimmy Carter, and he will be praised so much in the months to come, we can never, ever forget that he couldn't have done it without her, and they have always been a team. We want to know what you guys think. We are at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. Let's go to the phones. Jason in Missouri, thank you for waiting on hold. You're on progress
1: hey john how you doing tonight great how are you oh well, i'm good sir first of all i wanted to comment i'm with you on jimmy carter just step back for a moment and think about how much better we would be if he would have been re-elected in 1980 than Ronald reagan
4: yeah and incredibly
1: then I'll get to my point incredibly where, where you know
3: i once in college went to hear dr king's widow speak and she said that she right. would always believe that race relations in our country would be better if jimmy carter had been reelected in
1: 1980 absolutely we would have we would have solar panels in the white house in the 1980s yeah we would have there's another one we sure to. would have uh, but i'll tell you what i call for tonight john please uh, you know the whole israel uh hamas thing bad deal but there's an understory this week apparently mr trump had an interview with one of his young he did and it wasn't jorge ramos who talked to him from what i hear john you might want to tell me more about this did they put an entertainment reporter up on him with the interview and give him softball question after softball question yes this is what I heard. Uh, and remember, you know, remember, back in 2015,
3: in 2015, Trump kicked Jorge Ramos out of a campaign event and would not yeah. grant Univision access. Now he's yeah. sitting down for this that. softball interview right now because someone's getting paid.
1: Oh, absolutely. Now, here's the question I have, John. Who who in their right mind in the Latino community, when the guy literally said they're not giving us their best, they're giving us the crime, yeah. the drugs, would spill into this guy eight years later? I know. Do they really think Spanish people are that stupid? And, John, to be honest with you, I'm somewhat bilingual. I have a lot of respect for Jorge Ramos. And from proudly can say that I am, but to think for a second that they're that damn stupid that they don't know how to go on the internet and read it.
3: You know what? I got nothing against Univision having Trump for an interview, and I I technically have nothing against them either. Well, hang on, but I have nothing against them having him for a softball interview. That's pathetic and beneath them. But this is what media does, right? They try to get access so they don't ask hard questions, and that's how you get them to come back. I I I know this painfully. This is how it works, but it's that Univision canceled joe biden's campaign ad buys and they canceled an interview booking with biden's hispanic media director so something's going on and it probably has to do not with anyone who's on camera at univision not with anyone who works there none of the production staff probably has to do with the venture capitalists who own the companies that own univision we'll probably find out a lot in the next week what's going on but uh, again it's like you know you're right to assume that this man who literally ran on building a medieval racist wall between us and the Mexican border, you yeah. could, could count on abortion being enough to sway the Latino vote. But, but again, Donald Trump has a right to go for them any way he can. It's just what is going on after the way he treated this channel in the past, what kind of money oh, has absolutely. changed hands with whom that now they're sending out puff piece interviews for him and they're canceling Biden's right. ad buys. Something's not right.
1: You know, you know, John Hughes brought up abortion, just made me think. Here tonight in Missouri, uh, they ruled tonight against Jay Ashcroft, the son of the patriarch, John Ashcroft, mm-hmm. uh, that they were going to bring up an abortion uh, voter law for coming in in August. Well, here's the thing the wording they wanted were, well, was going to be more violent, it was going to be more anti vote. It got voted down in the courts. Really? Like, in an appeal court decision. Here's the thing Jay Ashcroft's running for governor against Mike Keel. They're splitting their party in half, John. And what's the thing with the Republicans? Every time they win, big bagarats. You know the rest, right? Yep. And then it goes. You're right. And on top of all that, Holly tonight, or Holly last week, rather, come out with polls. Lucas Coons is going to likely be his opponent. Mm -hmm. They're within margin of error a year out. Really? This guy's going to get beat, John. Screw Joe Manchin. You don't need Joe Manchin when Josh Hawley is going to get beat. He's got a 44% approval rating in Missouri.
3: Yeah, but the real question is all those corporations that said they would not donate to Josh Hawley anymore after January 6th, how many of them meant it? How many of them are actually going to be True. pouring money into his campaign True. because they like their their tax cuts more than they like their cops not being beaten on the Capitol steps?
1: Well, I tell you, though, John, here in Missouri, I've, and I've got an organizer in my home county here I just had a conversation with. Everybody better figure out we've got a chance here in Missouri with uh, Lucas Kuntz and a woman named Crystal Quaid, who's going to run and get, likely gets Ashcroft's son right for on. nomination. Political 101, John. He can't defend a vote that he's going to lose in August and still be the pro-life guy running against a woman who's pro-choice.
3: Right on, man. Well, we'll no see. Way. I mean, But again, I keep rooting for Missouri. I'm, I'm consistently shocked year and year at how incredibly right-wing this state really is. So John, very few I'm things surprise me. My
1: home county. Is Washington County. We voted for Barack Obama a majority in two thousand and eight. We're ninety nine point four percent white. Yeah. This state's not as red as it seems, John. No, oh,
3: I know, I know, it's but again it's comes out. Up. Look, I know you got Cory Bush in the Congress, but it's just when there's yeah. t- when there's turnout, so let's just hope that Donald Trump yep. drives the turnout. I think he will. No doubt. Right on, man. Good talking to you, John. Good talking to you, Have sir a good as well. Holiday. Thank you. We're at 866-997-4748. Quick break. We'll be right back with Professor Corey Bretschneider and your calls.
0: Explore more stories like Shaina's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
1: freaker or wherever you get your podcast on because you know i love it when
6: you do
3: I am so pleased to have Professor Corey Bretschneider with us. My God, there's so much going on in the news from what's going on with the Voting Rights Act, to Donald Trump's gag order. I always need someone smarter than me, more level-headed than me, and more deeply moral than me. And thank God that's most people. But we're thrilled to get Corey Bretschneider, too. He, of course, teaches political science at Stanford University. And since the 2016 election, you have read his cogent analyses of Donald Trump's administration and our politics for New York Times, Time Magazine, Politico. Get his book, The Oath and the Office, A Guide to the Constitution for Future Presidents at your favorite bookstore. Also, his Penguin Liberty Series books on free speech, impeachment and Ruth Bader Ginsburg's most notable cases. Professor Brett Schneider, welcome back. Happy Monday to you.
5: Thanks, John. Happy Monday to you. And uh, uh, looking forward to the conversation as always.
3: So am I. Happy uh, early Thanksgiving, Corey. I, you know, honestly, I, I couldn't get any rest this weekend. I was just so worried about Donald Trump's gag order. You know, it just it, it means a lot to me. Um, <laughs> I, at this point, anything he does is pretty much just an attempt to delay. His trials, right? It's all just a chance for him to slow down the gears of justice any way he can. But I know that today his lawyers and the DOJ were fighting in the federal appeals court over whether or not his constitutional rights have been violated by this gag order, keeping him from lying about witnesses.
5: Yeah, and, um, you know, we've talked about this before, and I've been defending the idea that the order or at least some version of it is constitutional and you can't exactly tell from oral argument in the appellate panel or from the Supreme Court what they're gonna do but you get some indication and I guess I just think on this one of course the idea that the lawyers were presenting for Trump that he can really say literally anything is just not true under our Constitution you can't threaten people for instance you can't incite a riot (laughs) although he certainly has done that. And I I don't see any world in which this court is going to say that no gag order is acceptable, especially one that stops them from threatening people. Now, one question that I think is kind of interesting in just reading about what happened is whether or not they might change the language. It might be that the the district court judge has just drawn too broad a gag order. And there was a line that I thought was kind of interesting about whether, um, you know, that Jack Smith can basically look out for himself and not have to worry about him feeling insulted. Mm-hmm. And that is a sort of signal that you want to be careful with the First Amendment, that disparaging somebody is not necessarily uh, bannable. That that might be protected speech. And he certainly got a right to say this is a witch hunt and all of the things that he says in the, in the campaign. But where the judge, I think, was trying to draw the line and where this court might redraw it, is around the idea that you can 't threaten uh, you know the prosecutors well, yeah you can't
3: or you can't witnesses use your,
5: your 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 ground troops to um, to to really intimidate them through violence, so I think that 's going to be the line, and you might see a rewritten gag order here, but the idea that that no gag order is possible that that just is beyond belief
3: is one of the concerns, professor, that as Donald Trump goes out there relentlessly smearing. Military generals who he hired to work for him, who then told the truth about him. But like between John Kelly or retired General Milley, that by slamming them and smearing them constantly in his social media, that Donald Trump could potentially be tampering with future witnesses.
5: Yeah, I think that's, you know, a place where you want to you want to be protective. It's one thing to say that the you know, the prosecutor is uh, gone rogue or that this is a witch hunt. But if you're really trying to basically stop people and threaten them from testifying, then that's not protected speech. And so the order can definitely be redrawn in a way that, um, you know, that that keeps them from from taking witnesses and not allowing them. I mean, think of a mafia trial. You know, you want to have the Don barred from, uh, you know, going up to associates and saying, hey, you better not. Uh, testify or else. And if Trump's doing that, there's no way that's protected speech. So again, it'll all be in regard to the witnesses, in regard to Smith and his team, about just coming up with the right language to emphasize that the First Amendment has a line between true threats, incitement of violence, threatening witnesses. Those things are not protected speech. You can ban them, and the gag order rightly will suppress them. And things that are definitely protected, like saying this is a witch hunt and I deserve to be president of the United States and and I've been treated unfairly or even, you know, the hard one is what about saying given the violence that came that, that the election was rigged, that probably is protected speech. But when you go over the line is when you spark a riot to, uh, you know, shut down the Capitol and that that's what they have to keep in mind here, that this is a president who's gone over the line many, many times and this gag order is very much needed to ensure that he he, there, there's a way of reining him in if he does.
3: Yeah. I mean, Judge Patricia Millett, who was appointed by Barack Obama, asked whether there was a First Amendment concern related to Donald Trump hypothetically calling up a witness and telling them to be loyal. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I mean, aside from the yeah. ethical queasiness of it, is that a First Amendment concern? I think that
5: that sounds like it's, you know, it's all line drawing, and that sounds to me over the line because it sounds like you're saying uh, not to tell the truth and you can't subordinate perjury and that's not protected speech. So if that's what he's saying, I, I don't really think that is a hard first amendment question. I, I, you know, we could come up with other hypotheticals though, you know, certainly he could say uh, his lawyers could say, or he could say, sorry, in in public media that uh, these witnesses are lying. He could say that, that he could say publicly, you know, all, all sorts of things to disparage them. But when it, when it comes to, to demanding, Loyalty from them, that that starts to look to me a little bit like suborning
3: uh, perjury. Yeah, well, and again, this this all goes around a man who claimed that a, a clerk of the judge in his New York case is dating, is the girlfriend of the married leader of the Democrats in the Senate. He literally said that the court clerk was Chuck Schumer's girlfriend because she posed for a photo with her state senator. Uh, literally, that's the level of lying that they're having to be adults around.
5: The other thing, I, you know, just on that one is, you know, we have a, a pretty high uh, standard when it comes to, to defamation of public officials. And yet yet Trump continues to engage in defamation. So, I mean, I'd love to see lawsuits against them yeah. um, for that, because, you know, that, that's not protected speech. You, you don't have the right to lie. Uh, and disparage somebody and, uh, and he does it all the time and uh, you know rightfully people come back sort people like stormy daniels for instance and, and bring suits against them so that this seems like an area where he should certainly be be shut down he's you know when he, he's being sued he's worried about the laws being too lenient when it comes to defamation and then when he engages in it he'll he'll cry first amendment you know uh till 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 he turns um, orange in the
3: face. <laughs> uh, we are at 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT. Professor, now I've got to go to an area where we disagree on. And we have mm-hmm. fought bitterly and, and, and <laughs> violently over this issue in the past. But as of uh, Friday's show, I was thinking about you because the Colorado judge found, like, we'll talk about having it both ways. The Colorado judge in the district court ruled that Donald Trump did in fact engage in insurrection but said he can still be on the ballot because the disqualification clause of the 14th amendment did not apply to him. Right. I, I right. both violently disagree and agree with this at the same time. Right. What is your take?
5: You know, I, the thing about insurrection is a big deal. I thought for sure that, that, that the judge was going to say, well, there's not been no conviction for insurrection. So there is no insurrection here. And that's not what happened at all. The judge was convinced by what I think to be the obvious point, which is that he did incite <laughs> insurrection and that, that he he un, under the Fourteenth Amendment, you know, if he was an office holder, uh, could be barred from the ballot. Now, there's a deep legal and historical question: Is the president an office holder? And there yes, are people, uh, there's a uh, con- conservative scholars, I'd say, a guy named Blackman and another one named Tillman, who've been arguing uh, that no, the president is not an officer. Under the meaning of the 13th <laughs> Amendment. And so it doesn't. And I, I think that's just. How is I don't, that? How, I don't how, even understand how is the president
3: not the chief executive officer yeah. under the 13th <laughs> Amendment? I mean, yeah, literally.
5: The you know, pledges to faithfully, um, you know, execute not only the laws, but the office. And um, the term office is used all the time to describe the presidency at that time. An office holder. So, you know, I'm with a whole, I think, mainstream scholarship. Um, Will Bode is the professor at Chicago that wrote the original piece, saying the president is an officer. And there's another guy named Mark Graber at Maryland. You know, the people really have looked at it, I think, and have made this part of their professional lives conclude the obvious thing. (laughs) Yeah, the president is the chief. Executive, you know, chief chief officer of of the federal government, and so the, this judge, I think, you know, did he, he was trying to have his cake and eat it too. He 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 wanted to say that he engaged in insurrection, then he wanted to make a legal argument why he didn't have to do the controversial thing and pull him off the ballot. I don't think this has anything to do with law. I think it has to do with the judge that didn't want to bar uh, the potentially the next president of the United States from from appearing on the ballot in Colorado and affecting the election. And so he came up with this sort of nonsense history to, to justify it. But as you know, I I think the president, you know, engaged in insurrection. I know. The framers thought of the 14th Amendment thought about this. I know. And what they came up with is. No, you
3: can't run. (laughs) I know you're right, Corey. I know you're right. I just think it would be a huge, historically huge mistake to keep Donald Trump off the ballot, even though you got him dead to rights, even though the the amendment says, yes, he can't be up there. To me, A, it feeds the grievance complex of the most dangerous, misshapen Caucasians in our country. But also, to me, if if we're going to be lecturing that Donald Trump is trying to get rid of democracy and undermine democracy itself. Oh, and by the way, we're not going to allow you to vote for him. (laughs) It it's you know, sort of I, to simpletons will make our side look very hypocritical gory
5: yeah i think i would have loved it if the judge would have said that that's obviously the reasoning that he was relying on and i respect that I, as you know i don't agree with it and i'll just say one other thing which is i don't think democracy is that you get to vote for whoever you want if somebody tries to destroy democracy uh i don't i don't think that they have a right to run i think that they've disqualified themselves and you no, know, there's another way to do it. It would have been through impeachment and we have a disqualification there, too, that the vote after removal. We didn't get to that moment. Unfortunately, we should have. Uh, but that wouldn't have been a betrayal of democracy either if, if we had disqualified Trump under the impeachment process. It would have been a defense of it. So, mm. yeah, we, we've got a good disagreement going here. I'm sure we'll keep we'll keep talking
3: about it over the weeks. I'm sure we will. And, you know, let me ask, Corey, why do you think the media is covering this presidential lineup of Biden versus Trump again needs to be reframed. I mean, you've talked about how viewing this like a normal horse race candidate is very, very wrong. I agree. But what's the right way to do it when we have to remember the media is out there for ratings and profit?
5: Well, I think, you know, you and I have been talking about this for years. And the way we talk about it, I think, is not just Uh, you know, interesting. I think it's the way it has to be framed and the way we always frame it is about democracy and the threat to democracy and the threat to our Constitution. And the more I see, you know, just polling and this one and he's ahead here and the normalization of this man that really did try to destroy our democracy and he's telling us again that he will. uh, I, I really worry, you know, that there's a sense that he's just talk and it's just rhetoric when he says these things. But we know now that he means it. And, you know, I think too, we have, you know, media, there's a lot of turnover. A lot of reporters are very young. They you know, are up and coming. They didn't live through it last time. They didn't realize the mistake that was made when he ran last time. And I'm seeing those same mistakes uh, made again. I mean, I'm we'll see. I have a few reporters that I'm talking to and, and talking about writing these bigger stories and I think they'll start coming out. And of course, This book that I've written, The Presidents and the People, is all about how democracy is vulnerable to the Mm presidency. The system is not stable And so I'm hoping to really try to influence the way that we talk about this election
3: going forward. Do you think, Professor, that the media will be talking about this election this same way, say, six months from now, once we're a few primaries in? Or do you expect the coverage to advance a bit once they know that more people than just us news nerds are paying attention come 2024?
5: You know, that's my hope that they'll they'll frame it in terms of democracy. But there's also the point that you made, which is that media is about profit and about getting people to turn in. And that horse race stuff, as annoying as it is, that's what sells papers. That's what uh, sells subscriptions to websites. That's what um, people watch television for. And it's also the training. You know, the reason why it wasn't covered in the way it should have been in the last in the 2016 election and and really in the last one is i think there just isn't the sense of thinking about the deep structure of american politics the thing that people do is they know how to talk about how he's polling in new hampshire and what happened on the stump and what nikki haley said to who you know that's how reporters think so trying to just introduce that what it's not just deeper it's like essential way of understanding what this election is about that's that's something we have to just try try as much as we can to, to reframe.
3: By the way, I wanted to mention uh, your thoughts on the president's sister who just died last week, Marianne Trump-Barry, who, of course, was a judge uh, who yeah. did have to retire from the bench rather abruptly uh, and uh, who yeah. did, of course, speak very candidly and very deplorably about her brother. Right.
5: Right. I mean, I it's such, she's such an interesting character to me. I mean, she's a decent person, obviously. She served on this, you know, very high level court and served well by all accounts. And her brother is the opposite of somebody devoted to who gave her life really to the rule of law. He's somebody who's trying to destroy it. And I always, when I think about her, think about one of the first things I read about Trump as he was running in 2016. And he was asked in particular about the partial birth abortion ban and, uh, his sister was on the court that uh, lower court that struck it down. Initially, she said it was an unconstitutional undue burden, a violation of Roe versus Wade it shows you how different things were then before her brother came on the scene. Mm. And the reason I bring it up is he was asked, well, what did you think about what your sister did when she struck down the personal birth abortion ban? I thought you're pro-life. And he said, I don't know. Get ready for this. Yeah. I don't know why my sister signed that bill. And I thought, Oh, my God, the guy does not understand what courts do. Jesus, He doesn't know how a bill becomes a law. He thinks that the judges sign bills. He hasn't even watched Schoolhouse Rock. And that was the introduction <laughs> to, you know, who this is. Just
1: somebody who is a complete ignoramus
5: about yeah. the Constitution. But, you know, this time he's learned. <laughs> he's had quite a civics lesson. And I think the thing that he's learned is that this judges and the rule of law are annoying things that can be wiped away by a president if he's just aggressive enough. And that's why he's so much. Trump 2.0 is so much scarier than 1.0.
3: Well, then I saved the scariest story of the day for last, Professor, because the Voting Rights Act was passed 58 years ago, as you know. And Mm -hmm. since then, cases have been brought by many private parties and organizations, and it's never been a problem. And we talk all the time about how we have to strengthen voting rights. We have to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Mm -hmm. And as of today... Judges on the Eighth Circuit, including one recently made a judge by Trump, have now discovered uh, there is apparently, we didn't know this, but there is a basis to prohibit lawsuits by citizens and organizations under the Voting Rights Act. We never noticed it before, but they they moved the stake and there it was underneath. Uh, Today, the Eighth Circuit Court moved to drastically gut the Voting Rights Act. And essentially, Corey, tell me if I'm getting this wrong, but they want to bar private citizens and civil rights groups from being allowed to file lawsuits I mean, right. I mean, that like the ACLU can no longer assume right. to protect voting rights.
5: Right. You know, the, the structure of the Voting Rights Act, and this is about Section two of it, the 1965 Voting Rights Act. And you mentioned John Lewis. You know, this was the famous march across uh, the, this bridge that involved blows and physical violence and, and led to uh, President Johnson signing this monumental defense of voting rights. And the way that the the act has always worked successfully is that not just the government, not just the attorney general of the United States, but private citizens or groups like the ACLU ACLU can bring lawsuits and say, hey, you violated my voting rights. So, Mm. for instance, voter ID laws were challenged by private groups and, you know, we could go on and on. And that's historically how it's always worked. Now, there's a technique. Uh, that conservative just judges, in particular Trump appointees, but coming from just, just, Justice Scalia, use in trying to quote-unquote read or interpret a statute, but really eviscerate a statute. Right. And they call that textualism. And what that is is the most wooden, narrow way of reading these laws in order to really get rid of their meaning and to get rid of their intent. And that's what you see here: this sort of elimination of history, of intent, of the purpose of the law, and and the long implementation of it that allowed these private suits. That's how it's been enforced. It's crazy. And if you want to gut it, how do you do it? You get rid of them. You you read the statute in the narrowest possible way.
3: So then, only the that government, happens. only the government, can bring challenges right. under the Voting Rights federal Act. Government. The federal yeah. So if the federal government general. violates the Voting Rights Act, only they can right. sue themselves to correct it.
5: Right. And guess who these judges are hoping is the next president of the United States, the guy that appointed them.
3: But what if Joe Biden did it? What if Joe Biden did it? (laughs) What if Joe Biden deliberately violated like like the Voting Rights Act and then they weren't able to sue? I mean, I mean, the whole
5: idea, this is what you're getting to. It's a deep, deep point. Civil rights can't be trusted to official government actors to protect them because it's often the government that's violating them. So you need to open up the possibility that private citizens, private groups will use the law. Now courts are obviously involved. Government's involved. You're in court. Don't just vigil. It's not vigilantes going and trying to enforce uh, uh, the Voting Rights Act, but you do it through court. But if you don't have those actors able to call out injustice, find injustice, uh, the idea that you're going to trust the government to do it, either because the government's violating it, that's a good point, or frankly government's distracted. There are only so many prosecutors there are only so many cases that can be brought and opening it up this way allows private groups to really be searching out when our most basic rights are violated but of course this president wants to control elections this president donald trump this candidate for himself and the judges that he appointed while he was president are enabling that so it's it's really frightening i mean i can't tell you this is You know, the Constitution is a big thing. This is as big, maybe bigger. Yeah. Certain laws, the 1964 Civil Rights Act, 1965 Voting Rights Act, which are as important as the Constitution. And if you don't put them front and center, then, you know, they don't protect their dignity, their structure, the way that they operate. We lose our democracy.
3: Yeah. Corey, this is going to the Supreme Court, of course. You don't think that even even this Supreme Court would allow this to stand, do you?
5: You know, I'm not sure this idea of textualism that I keep talking about, and, and I'll just define that: it's reading the law in, in in the narrowest way, using the words to eviscerate the intent and and the meaning of the of the law, especially when it comes to progressive legislation like the Voting Rights Act, that conservatives don't tend to like. Uh, I, I worry about it. I mean, I you know, think of who we've got there now. Certainly, you know, Sotomayor, Kagan will be robust defenders of it. Uh, But what about Alito? What about uh, Thomas? What about um, Kavanaugh? We could keep going. And certainly Gorsuch, they are beholden to this idea of textualism. They love it. And uh, I think they don't love voting rights. (laughs) I think you're right. So (laughs) I'm, I'm not, you know, I think it's pretty outrageous that even for them, it would be a stretch, but nothing surprises me when it comes to this court.
3: Professor Corey Bretschneider, we are always so thankful that you are a part of this show. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with your work? And when is the new book out?
5: Uh, it comes out July second, just in time for the Fourth, of course, and thinking about Independence. And uh, it's called "The Presidents and the People," and the subtitle is Five Leaders Who Threatened Democracy and the Citizens Who Fought to Defend It." So check it out. Find it on Amazon and uh, pre-order.
3: Corey, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Always a great pleasure. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. We got to take a quick break, everybody. We'll be right back with your calls in just a moment. This is Sirius XM.
0: Hey, all. Glenn Kirshner here. Friends, I hope you'll join me on my audio podcast, Justice Matters. We talk about not only the legal issues of the day, but we also talk about the need to reform ethics in our government. Here's one example, the oath of office. You know the one. I do solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Let's add 22 words to that oath. Quote, and I will promptly report any instances of crime and or corruption by government officials and employees of which I become aware. Friends, our democracy is worth fighting for. Join us in this fight, because justice matters. Look for Justice Matters wherever you ordinarily find your podcasts. Let's go to the phones
3: before we get to our next guest, Lance in New Orleans. Thank you so much for waiting so patiently on hold. You're on progress.
7: Yes, how are you doing, John? How are you? I'm glad that you your, your previous guest. I hope you still listen to me you can help us here in New Orleans. Our future governor, he hasn't taken office yet, wants to pass a law telling every city and and every town in the state of Louisiana, if you don't prove a law for them to put doctors and patients who have abortions in prison, allow them to go to prison, mm-hmm. he's going to start the federal funds to replace all our pipes. That That's have. right.
3: It's insanity. It's madness. This guy's already got the job. And now he's decided to just make himself out to be a like he got the job. And now he's essentially threatening. I mean, to kill more children, to kill more people of of all ages, you know, like he's going to withhold any kind of environmental justice and withhold funds because his personal feelings about reproductive rights. It, it's But that's
7: it's, because we are alive already. We're not in the womb anymore, that's why.
3: Yeah, exactly. You but know, so again, George Collins joke. But it's gonna be
7: my embarrassment and left. yet.
3: But he but like like this is the hypocrisy of these people. They claim to be pro life and they're not he's literally gonna withhold funds for New Orleans entire decaying water infrastructure until they put people in jail for abortion.
7: Yes. <laughs> and it's already illegal here. Yeah. What are you what are you what are you worried about, dude? You're an idiot. And I can't believe my people elect him, and they go against their own influence.
3: Yeah, he wants to. Pro- this guy wants to prosecute women who travel to get abortions, doesn't he? I mean, it's just no, no, what
7: hasn't him. He hasn't. I haven't heard him say that yet. But don't worry, it's probably coming along. Yeah, and like I said, I told you last time before, if you can help me find some people to get me, help me pay for an aircraft, a jet, I'm for a assessment citation and get me trained in it. I will fly into any state and pick up women who need care and flying where they need to go for free. Good for you. I want to say a jet. I mean, subsidy travel and style. They can't stop me from flying them out. They say you can't drive. There's a <laughs> well,
3: difference. Well, I'll listen, I, if I had the funds, I would give them all to you and make you the permanent shuttle service. And, and thank you for volunteering for that. But I mean, I, I'd like to think democracy itself, like I, I'd like to think no, democracy itself will be enough for this. I mean, he w- literally is saying he wants to withhold clean water from citizens unless women are put in jail for something that is not illegal in your state, and the Bible never actually bans. He is threatening the clean water supply for everyone. This man is a monster already, and it's going to be a very interesting term once he's sworn in.
7: We had another oil spill in the Gulf, too, this week.
3: That's right.
7: But it's getting worse, man.
3: God bless. I can't, I
7: can't take it no more.
3: Oh, man. Oh, man. I'll be praying for better representatives, but wow, it's just crazy. I I just I love your state so much, and you keep having these batshit crazy governors. I mean, literally. I'll
7: bring your show here, man. I wish I'll bring the sexy lady.
3: Where you. I'm, listen, I'm working on her. I promise, I'm working on her, Lance. Thank you yeah. so much so for bringing this story.
7: Maybe wish she could talk about it too tomorrow on our show.
3: All right, I'm going to work on Thank her. You. We'll be down Thank there you, soon great. enough. Thank you, sir. 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT is our number. Quick break. We'll be right back. This is Progress. This is SiriusXM. I'm John Fuglesang. This is Tell Me Everything, bringing good trouble to the right-wing bubble. We're going to get back to your calls right away with our good friend, comedian, writer, director and actor, a woman who opened for Anita Baker and Diana Ross and Aretha Franklin, a woman who does great solo shows, a woman you can catch on uh, Politopod, available on SoundCloud, People of Earth. It's time for Tall, Dark and Handsome Monday with Miss Rhonda Handsome.
6: I'm black, y'all. Hi,
3: Rhonda. How are you, dear?
6: Hi, Vance. Well, I'm great, but I'm a little worried about the Voting Rights Act. I'm, turned, I'm not.
3: Yeah, it turned out I'm they left sure. they left a piece of it alive for the last 10 years. And boy, they went after it today.
6: Yeah, I, uh, I I'm a little concerned. It, it it might need oxygen. It might need a ventilator. I don't know if it needs a booster shot, but um, it looks like it is um, in trouble.
3: It's in deep trouble. They want to make it so individuals and organizations can no longer sue if their rights are denied, like the ACLU could never sue the government anymore if someone was denied their right to vote. The government, only the government, can sue itself. It seems like it's literally designed to allow any government entity that wants to take away your vote to do it with no problems.
6: And uh, so you're saying I'm uh, just because I'm paranoid. It doesn't mean that people aren't after me.
3: No, Rhonda, you're you're very correct. They are really trying to make sure you can vote. And that's but that's what voter ID was all about. You know, I mean, yes, voter ID is racist. It it hits African-Americans, but it, it, it hits all kinds of people. The Republican Party doesn't want to vote. It hits college students who are allowed to vote with, like, NRA IDs, but not college IDs. If you're a college student and don't have a driver's license, it is rigged so you can't vote. And if just and for low-income people who might not have cars and don't have licenses, it's rigged so they can't vote, to say nothing of all the seniors who no longer have a government ID and get turned away from their polling places.
6: I, I just wanted to check because I felt like uh, the Voting Rights Act has a very, very low pulse right now. I know. And... I'm a little concerned. I'm a little... Other than that, the world is fantastic. <laughs> All is well. All I, is well.
3: <laughs> it's a very crazy time to try and do stand-up comedy, Rhonda. Let me just tell you, it's <laughs> it's tricky. With the war and with uh, Donald Trump coming back, it's going to be a very interesting year.
6: I, I don't know what's more... Uh, dangerous to try to talk about the war in the middle east or um litigations that p diddy might be going through yeah. i i don't know which is more more dangerous to your career can i or can being i canceled. can i
3: say it's kind of scary because p diddy is not going through any kind of litigation anymore he made some kind of settlement with cassie they announced it you know just this morning i don't know how many i'm guessing it was eight figures and she has dropped her lawsuit i guess he realized that she was really serious about revealing a lot of things and boy oh boy everybody should read the lawsuit that she posted because there's a lot in there he would not want out i I guess she was able to she said she wasn't doing it for the money but i guess they found the right number
6: yeah Yeah. he was able to come up with a figure that she could not refuse
3: which is kind of scary I was inclined to believe her. I thought what she documented was really devastating. And uh, a lot of it has already been corroborated by other entities. And uh, it was just another example of men with power who can get away with a lot. Trashing a hotel and just spending 50 grand so the hotel doesn't call the cops. I mean, he, you know, and Kid Cudi's car blowing up. It just there was a lot of really sketchy information there.
6: Oh, a lot. And But money talks, John.
3: Money talks. <laughs> I know. Listen, Rhonda, we have a lot of people calling to weigh in on the issues of the day. Did you know there's a new right wing dude running uh, Argentina now? It's kind of interesting. You want to talk to some of our listeners in our evil army of the night?
6: We must go to the army
3: of the night. Let's go. Everyone try to make your comments or your questions or your threats as tight as possible. Please memo in San Diego. Thank you so much for your patience on hold. You're on Sirius XM.
2: Hey, hi, John. Uh, hey. Good evening. Hi, good young. evening. Hello. I, hi. With, I... I really appreciate your work. You don't, you don't know how much it means to, to me that I can turn on the radio at night and hear. I get the news in the morning, and then I cannot wait to to hear you discuss them. <laughs> thank at you night. So, so much. Thank,
3: thank you. you, thank you. Hey, well, listen, Memo, what do you what do you make of of, of Javier Millet? I mean, it, it really he ran a very Trumpian campaign, and he calls himself, you know, an, uh, a libertarian anarcho capitalist. It seems like he he, he did a very TV friendly campaign with a uh, it made a real character out of him himself but what's gonna happen
2: well that's that's what I wanted to talk to you about I wanted to hear your opinion because uh, I I am I'm not particularly fond of uh, libertarians uh, because even though we do have a little bit in common like for example I, I I do agree with them on on the the freedom of, uh, you know, for marriage and and, sure. freedom, and freedom of uh, women and uh, those those type of freedoms, right? Even in yeah. in marijuana freedom and that kind of stuff. Yes. But then that the, the simulators stop there because uh, then then they get really really crazy with then you know no taxes, the government is all taxed and and all of that. And to me, it seems a little bit dangerous that that somebody like Javier Milei has been able to enter the the government, because I think it's the first Libertarian candidate that actually makes it to a position of power. I think the only experiment that we have seen for Libertarians is in Grafton, yes. right? And if, if you have heard about the birds, you know exactly how, how it went there. So I I am I'm scared for the Argentinian people because... There seems to be a lot of enthusiasm about him, and I know I, yeah. I, I want to hear your thoughts.
3: Well, look, when has when has having a right wing dictator ever ever been bad for the people of Argentina? Am I right? Am I right, folks? Um, <laughs> you know, he, here's what I think: Ar- Argentina has a poverty rate of about forty percent right now, so it's not a surprise that a character like this could take advantage of the public sentiment and ride a wave. But he wants to destroy the central bank. I don't know how one president can do that. And he wants to destroy the ministry of health and the ministry of education. They always run. They do this in America. They want to get rid of health care. They want to get rid of, of you know Department of Education. I, I, I never understand how that helps poor people. You know, he'll, he'll They'll use the poverty and the suffering to get into office. But then once they're there, because they're libertarian, they'll want to cut anything that might help the poor have less poverty. So I don't know how he's going to be able to do the kind of things he's promised. And I don't see how the kind of things he's promised, like privatize the state run media because they said mean things about you. I, I don't really see how that helps poor struggling people. What do you think?
6: I, I think uh, Ron, uh, I want, I, 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 oh, oh, go I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rhonda. I'm sorry. Have yeah. education is is Betsy DeVos in line for a job with him?
3: <laughs> well, she might be because he wants to change their economy to the dollar from the peso. So God only knows who he's trying to lure in. But what what do you think, Memo? I, I don't I don't see how this guy's policies are actually going to help the people who need help the most.
2: Oh no, it's it, it's like the education voucher, right? Like libertarians are really into the education voucher and uh, and how how that's supposed to be a very alternative that uh, public education, right? Uh, but they they, uh, they they basically talk about private uh, privatizing uh, yes. schools, privatizing education, yes. but at the same time not offering um, a real alternative to all of those kids that do not close to a private school or do not have the uh, income, <laughs> their parents don't have the income to make the difference between the voucher and a, a, a school that they could want to go to, right? So the the that's the same thing for everything, for healthcare, and for even electric uh, lightning in your streets. And and, uh, so I I this is the thing. I think the public sentiment, uh, the 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 gut reaction against the actual government, because the actual the 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 current government is driving Argentina to the ground. Right? They, They have been doing a very bad policy, but. Voting, I mean, I think it's almost like what happened with Trump here. That it was like, okay, we're gonna vote against establishment, and and yes, and of we course, had a exactly. a lot of people excited to vote against against establishment, but then you end up with Trump. But
3: that's and but is, that but he's Trump. Trump. He is he's Trump. They, I mean, they have inflation above a hundred forty percent, and this guy with, and again, this is a a, a a charismatic guy with not a lot of government experience and really stupid hair who just acts like a clown <laughs> on TV to get a lot of attention, and he managed to do it because things are so rough in Argentina right now.
2: Yeah, I, I wish. I, I mean, I, I hope that. Um, so, this is the thing. I hope that the experiment works as a lot of people think that it's going to work, which is really bad. Right. I, I think at, at, at the moment, because obviously the worst thing that could happen, uh, which will be that he gets enough power to actually do the things that he wanted to do. Right. And it has an effect, an immediate effect, that it looks positive, even if it is not. That's probably the worst thing that he could do because it could yeah. uh, motivate other countries, and that's that's what I really scare about.
3: Uh, yeah, I got to be honest, Memo. So so far, I'm, I'm I don't I, I get the feeling this guy's kind of a clown, and he put on a circus, <laughs> and he was able to ride the wave of discontent into office. I I don't really see how the policies he's running on are going to begin to solve the problems, but um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. God bless Argentina. <laughs> they've had worse thank you memo have a great one 866 you are the best thank Thank you sir 866-997 grit i mean Rhonda, what do you think trump wannabes in south america
6: it's not about solving problems john it's about winning winning so much that you become tired of winning
3: that's it that's all it is the illusion of winning and when you can make low-income people think they're winning because you hate the same people they hate they'll stay poor and live through you but their lives won't get better. Let me go back to the phones, if I may. Jay in Washington D.C. Thank you for your waiting on hold. You're on SiriusXM.
4: Hey, thank you. Uh, love your show. Thank you, sir. So I just wanted to say that. Um, well, first, I'm 50 years old. I'm a mixed race, uh, brown person. Okay. And I got and I gotta say. Biden is in serious trouble right now, you mm-hmm. know, and it's not his age, which is, you know, we're an ageist country, it is what it is. But I really think there's this Achilles heel danger with the situation in Israel dragging him down. And okay. and, and let me tell you, let me tell you why. Okay, like er, earlier on your show, you were talking about, you know, Charlie Kirk and yeah. his flirt, flirting with anti-Semitism, right? Oh yeah, with you know Jewish money and stuff. Like if you're like, for you know, Charlie Kirk has never met a brown country he didn't want to bomb. Correct. Right? Like, Correct. bomb. Correct. Bomb. Yes. Right. Oh, yes. And so, like, I'm 50. I love Joe Biden. And I will, I'm absolutely going to vote for him and tell everyone to vote for him. But I'm telling you, like, let's say 30 and under people of color, they're looking at this. As at the end of the day, you can blow up as many brown babies as you I get want. It. I, get it. Because, I get it. Because, like, you know, 1,300 Jewish people died, which was awful, absolutely awful. And everyone understands it. But I don't think that the general, like, liberal media is, you know, they'll they they they'll mention this, but they're not getting what it feels like for these folks. Like, I grew up with the knee-jerk you know, oh, we have to support Israel and everything with a few, like, qualified, oh, but they need to be humanitarian, like, no matter what they're actually doing. Now, like, that hospital, like, look, you know, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene has more guns in her office than they showed in that picture from that hospital they bombed. And I really think we, you know, this is coming at us where we're going to get a year from now. I'm with you. And all the... All these people, all these young people who should just vote for Joe Biden and you can logically make the case as to why I love the guy, I'm going to vote for him, they're going to sit at home. I'm really Joe, uh, worried about Jay, that. Okay, we're going to see a year from now. Whatever we're talking
3: about right now is not going to be what anybody's talking about a year from now. You know that, right? I mean, this is all going to be ancient history by the time the primaries are done. Donald Trump has seven criminal trials. And look, let's just say a year from now, the the, the race is between the old Democrat who fought for a ceasefire, who got a hundred million dollars in humanitarian aid into Gaza or the old Republican who wants to ban Muslims from entering the country. I think it's going to be a simple call for people of conscience a year from now.
4: I I hear you, man. And I feel the same way, but my worry is people like under 30, let's say, Let's say a year from now, 10,000 more kids have died in Gaza by American-made bombs. Yeah. I really worry that this, like, pillar of Joe Biden's strength being young people, especially, you know, just generally young people, I really am afraid that they're going to sit at home and not vote and that yeah, I'm Biden too. has to forcefully push back on what israel is doing like forcefully and i don't know maybe i'm afraid of the same thing
3: i'm afraid of the same thing but again a lot's going to happen between now and then and honestly i i I have a bit more faith in young voters who give a shit that they will show up and vote for someone they don't agree with a hundred percent to keep a fascist from getting back in office Rhonda, what do you think
6: Oh, John! I had a question for uh, your your caller. Um, I I appreciate his enthusiasm. When he when you say you're mixed race, uh, what races are you mixed with?
4: Uh, I'm white and I'm South Asian, but I'm definitely brown skinned. So, like you know, I don't I don't pass as white. If that's what you're asking, right?
6: No, I'm just asking what the mix is so I can do some math. That's all.
3: Do some math. What do you want about? What do you mean?
6: No, I just want to. I just want to know because when people say they're mixed race, it could be any combination. True. Okay. Of things. Very and, true. And that helps me just understand a little bit more about about his background.
4: I was just gonna say, like I'm. I look like someone Charlie Kirk would drop a bomb on. That's what
3: that's like. <laughs> right. Listen, I, we got a long way to go, man. And uh, I, I don't believe any of the polls right now. A lot is going to change. And the issues that we're fighting each other about now at Thanksgiving time of 2023 are going to be long forgotten by the time the presidential uh, conventions roll around next summer. Let's see where it goes, man. I'm not able to. I don't even I know. if you're right, my man. There's still a very good chance Nikki Haley will be the nominee. And it'll be completely bizarre. So let's see what right. happens, man. But thank you for calling. Rolling.